your pins out and look. <laughs> Looks like they fit. Good morning, everyone. Okay. Praise God. Pray as Jesus taught us. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven. Right here. Oh, yeah. 
Welcome to Disciples House, where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Where we're not slothful in business, we're fervent in spirit, and we're serving the Lord. As 1 Corinthians 2.4 and Romans 12.11. Well, upcoming events. Today we're gonna is Communion Sunday. We're going to do Communion today. Um, and then, Amen. And then we're leaving town tomorrow, <laughs> going to going to Gatlinburg uh, by, uh, for the Bible conference uh, with Brother Randy Greer, and uh, so there'll be no Wednesday night service, uh, but regular Wednesday services will resume next week in here. So, and that'll be at 7 p.m. like normal. All right. So, and then uh, April 1st, we're going to have prayer for the nation, where we're going to pray that 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 well, we as a nation be no more fools. Wake Amen. up to the deceptions Amen. of Satan. Amen. Amen. All right. And then April 9th is Easter yes. Sunday. Resurrection. Happy Resurrection Day. All right. And May 14th is Mother's Day. Don't want to forget that one. Got to honor our mothers and our fathers. And then uh, May 26th through the 28th, uh, Reverends Larry and Angela Keaton will be coming. Uh, they will have five services. So start planning to attend now because they're gonna they, they move my they, they they teach on the Holy Spirit and they move mightily in the Holy Spirit and they flow mightily in healing as well. So come expecting to uh, see moves of the Holy Spirit. Come expecting healings. Uh, come expecting to learn much of the Holy Spirit because uh, they uh, you know uh, Angela taught at Rama Bible College so. So she's got a lot to share, and they both have a lot to share. They've, they, they've been missionaries in Poland and, and other places, and, and uh, they've, started their own ch they've started churches, and, and uh, they just, they'll be coming back from Poland uh, for the first time since COVID started. So they're going to have a lot to share. So come expecting. All right. And then uh, June 26th through 30th is Generation Life Youth Camp. Uh, if you haven't gotten your deposits in, which I think everybody has, uh, get them in now because <laughs> they, they were due uh, about a week ago. All right. So, and then uh, just a reminder, uh, Wednesday night services will return back to normal in here next, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that. All right. So our meditation for the week, uh, March of March 19th. So uh, our in him is uh, 1 Corinthians 6.11 out of the Amplified. And it says, and such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified and set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. Thank God we can change our behavior. So our confession, I've been washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. I've been, I have washed, been washed by the atoning, by the atoning sacrifice, sacrifice of, Christ. of Christ. I'm sanctified. I am set apart for God. Made holy. I'm justified. 
free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I have a new life in him. Therefore, I'm no longer who I once was. Praise God. <laughs> All right. I was like, man, they need to wake up. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Deuteronomy 33:25, out of the King James Version. It says, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Not exactly sure how that all ties into healing, but I know we're going to have long out of that. I know we're going to have long days, and our strength will be mighty. All right. So confession: as long as I'm alive, God gives me strength. Amen. The shoes shall be iron and brass. That one just confuses me. But okay. <laughs> yeah, they won't wear out, and uh, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, you would. You like shoes. <laughs> oh yes, that. <laughs> all right. Well, enough. Enough being funny. Lord, we love you. We come before you today, seeking your presence, seeking to be with you, seeking to learn more of you, and to spend time with you, Lord. We ask that you be here with us, and we know that you will be, because your word says that whenever two or three are gathered in your name, you are here in our midst, and we are definitely gathered in your name, and you are definitely here in our midst. Lord, I can feel your presence, that sweet, holy presence, and just know that we love you, and we worship you, and we magnify you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we come, and we learn to be closer to you. We come to hear your word, and to learn from it, and to be and to become closer to you, and to, and to become more like you, and to lift you up, Lord. We just love your presence so much, we come faithfully. Oh, thank you for being with us, Lord. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You must leave. Now leave, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will leave, and you will not disturb us. You will not interfere with our thoughts. You will not interfere with the receipt of the Lord's word, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for healing in our bodies and peace for our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. 
I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as king in life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet Praise and worship our Father God, our Lord Jesus, our mighty Counselor, the Holy Spirit.
Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the promises. Thank you that you sit at our Father God's right hand and you act as intercessor for us so we can have that holy, holy relationship. Glory, glory, glory to you.
Hallelujah, 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 we praise God, hallelujah, praises to God, all the praises to God, hallelujah.
glorify you for all that you are and all that you do. And we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, I know God's working and God's doing some things in the house this morning. Uh, We're going to do communion. Uh, And communion is an ordinance of God uh, set up by Christ. Uh, But believe it or not, uh, the ordinance, the setting up of the ordinance actually started uh, in... um, in Exodus, when God uh, took the Jewish people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And the cloud of, you know, if you remember correctly, if you remember, if you recall, that um, once they left Egypt, there was, I know, uh, just, just stay there, but hang on, it's going to be a little bit. Uh, if you If you recall... Uh, there was a pillar, there was a cloud, there was a pillar of cloud that went before them during the day and a pillar of fire that went before them at night. And it was that pillar, and, and most people don't understand this, but the pillar of fire, the pillar of the cloud and the fire um, was the presence of God or the glory of God, or we could even say it this way, was Jesus himself going before them. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to read this chapter out of my personal promise Bible. Uh, So when I say my name, you just insert your name in your own thinking. 1 Corinthians, you know what, that's after Romans, that'd be helpful. It usually is. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, a lot of times when we do communion, we use chapter 9. But we're going to use chapter 10 today, at least in part. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I know Pastor Mike's the anointed, gifted reader, but it would sound weird for him to read my name. I don't know. You might. Well, you can read it then. I'll let you read it. All right. Chapter 10, verse 1. Like I said, now this is the modern English version, so it may not read exactly the same way as your King James or your other version. It's a little simpler to understand. Uh, But like I said, when he reads my name, you just insert your name. Now, I would not have you ignorant, Robbie, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That's what I was just talking about. When he said we were all baptized in one under the cloud and we all passed through the sea, he was talking about when, Je- when, when the power of God, when Jesus, uh, you know, we say Moses, and Moses was the person, Moses was the man, uh, but it was the power of God leading Moses. It was Jesus that was leading Moses. So it says we are all baptized onto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The cloud was the, cl- the, the pillar of cloud that went before them, and, of course, the sea was when they Part walked the across sea. the sea. The dry sea, the the sea, the split sea on dry land. Um, that was all part of taking part in the body of Christ. Let's keep reading. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock that fo- followed them, and the rock was Christ. So what did, what followed them? 
the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire. So they had the pillar of they had the, the, the cloud pillar in front of them, and then they had the pillar of fire behind them. So that's the same spiritual food and the same spiritual drink. However, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were Robbie's examples, to the intent Robbie should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither is Robbie to be an idolater, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So here's what they did. They, they, they followed God during the day. They, they basked in the protection of God at night. They took part in God, and then they got up and played. They got into idolatry. They got into lust. They got into all kinds of mess. And God said, this is our example, and we shouldn't do that. Neither should Robbie commit sexual immorality, as some of them committed. Now, that version says sexual immorality. Then the King James says um, fornication, which we know fornication does, include, does very much so mean sexual immorality, but it also means any level of unfaithfulness towards God, unfaithfulness towards God. I'm not supposed to participate in that. Keep going. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Neither let Robbie test the Lord, as some of them tested him and perished by the serpents. That 23,000 that, that, that perished by the sword, these were the Israelites. They're being led by God. And in the middle of being led by God, they started worshiping idled gods. And in God's presence, in, in the Father God's presence, with Jesus leading them and Jesus protecting them, they had a visible Jesus, the cloud and the, pill, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, visible cloud of Jesus following them and leading them. And yet in the midst of it, they went and started worshiping the false fake gods, the demons. That's who they started following. And uh, God got irate. And God told Moses, he said, go kill him. He told him, he flat told him. He said, Moses, go kill him. Go read it in Numbers 25. He said, Moses, I'm done with these people. Go kill him. Why? Because they were defiling the, the whole congregation. They were defiling the whole body of Christ. And so Moses went and got Aaron, and Aaron was getting the chiefs to go do this. And because uh, what the Lord said was, really what the Lord said was, hang on before me. That's what, that's what the Lord said. In other words, I'm not putting up with this in Numbers 25. Well, in the process of this occurring, here comes one of the Levitical priests, and he comes strutting in before God and before Moses and before these guys. He comes strutting in with one of his pagan women, with one of his pagan women wanting to do pagan worship in front of God. Well... One of the priests said, uh, my God is angry, and he grabbed a javelin, and he chased him out of the tent, and he chased him down, and he sent the javelin through the, the wicked man and, who, was a, who was a Jew and through the pagan woman that was with him. Now, that sounds mean and harsh and cruel, but see, that's Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, 
God had no way of protecting his people other than to separate them uh, drastically, physically away from these other gods. Because he, he, see, we've got, we're in the New Testament, we're in the New Covenant, we're in the Better Covenant. We've got the Holy Ghost on the inside. We don't have to be chased down with a javelin, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We don't have to be chased down with a javelin. No, we've got the Holy Ghost on the inside that says, um, don't do that. Don't do that. We've got the Holy Ghost on the inside that says, that person is not okay for you. That person's going to get you in to sin. That person's going to get you into idolatry. That person's going to get you into lasciviousness. That person's going to get you into fornication. That person, that you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside to separate you. In the Old Testament, they didn't have that. In the Old Testament, the only way God could keep his people clean was to, was to destroy the evil that was around them. And, now, and so because of that, a lot of people think that God in the Old Testament was mean. No, he was, getting, he was trying to keep his people away from devils and demons. He was trying to protect them. Let's keep going. Neither is Robbie or myself to grumble <laughs> as some of them also grumbled and perished by the destroyer. Look at that. Grumbling, murmuring, complaining will, get, will cause you to be destroyed by the destroyer. So what happened in the Old Testament. God said, remember earlier in this chapter, it said, let this be an example to you as to what not to do. God, forgive me. I'm guilty of that one. Forgive me in the name of your son, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Already gone. Now, all these things happened to them by way of example. And they were written for Robbie's admonition, on whom the ends of the ages has come. Therefore, let Robbie, if she thinks, oh, excuse me. Therefore, let Robbie, if she thinks she stands, be careful that she doesn't fall. See, if we believe, if we if we know that we're Christians, if we believe that we're in Christ, then we have a duty and an obligation to protect our walk and to make sure that we don't fall into the hands of the enemy. We have an obligation. Do you hear me? We have an obligation to protect our walk. Nobody's going to protect your walk for you. Jesus isn't going to make you walk the Christian walk. It's a choice and it's a decision. That's why there's so many hypocritical Christians out there in the world is because, A, they choose not to walk according to the plans of God, and, B, and I'm sorry to say this, and if you're one of these ministers, then repent, get right, and start fixing your congregation. And if you're not one of these ministers, then you're in right standing. But a lot of the problem is, is there's a lot of ministers in the pulpit not teaching their people to walk upright. They're handing them an excuse on a silver platter, and they're saying, well, you're just a sinner saved by grace, and you can't help but sin, so just go ahead and sin. There's a lot of preachers in the pulpit saying, well, it's okay to sin as long as you do so many prayers of this and so many prayers of that, and you pay so much money, and it's okay. No, that don't fly, boo-boo. No, that don't fly. You can't pay your way out of hell. You can't pray your way out of hell. You can't do that. That's you not can't. what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said, said, go and sin no more. Jesus said, the only way to heaven is through me. And he said, and once you come into me, then sin no more. You have to, you have to carry your own walk. So we take communion as a time for us to stop and for us to evaluate ourselves and say, Lord, 
Is there any area in my life that I have sin? Is there any area in my life that I need to repent and get right? Something that seems, I mean, honestly, it can seem small to you, like murmuring and complaining, like Pastor Mike just repented for, like murmuring and complaining. Honestly, there's not a person in this room that shouldn't be repenting for that one. Amen. Honestly. But here's the deal. But see, you take the time, you say, Father, forgive me for that. Help me to do better. Help me to walk better. And three days now from now, when you murmur and the Holy Spirit prompts you, when you get that poke on the inside, when you get that javelin jab on the inside, when you get that jab on the inside, don't ignore it. Immediately respond and say, oh, Father, I'm so sorry. See, communion is not yes. Communion should be in the house of God. Absolutely. We, we should do the ordinance in the house of God routinely and regularly. Absolutely. Not so much that it becomes realist, uh, legalistic and doesn't mean anything, which is why we don't do it all the, time. all the time. But honestly, you should be doing it at home. You should be doing communion at home. You should be taking some time apart and setting aside. If you've got juice, fantastic. If you can't afford juice, a cup of water will do just fine. If, you just, if all you've got handy is you're out on the field and you've got your RC cola and your moon pie for lunch, well, that'll work too. But here's the deal. What the point is, is you take something, you take a drink, you bless it, you sanctify it, you take the bread, you bless it, you sanctify it, you take the time to judge yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Take the time to commune with the Father and say, Father, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything preventing my communion with you? Is there anything prevent, is there anything standing between me and you? And you know what? Sometimes God's going to say, yeah. That person over there is standing between me and you. Yeah, that TV show that you watch is standing between me and you. Yeah, that habit you have over here, that's standing between me and you. Hey, that grumbling standing between me and you. That pride standing between me and you. That unforgiveness is standing between me and you. And when he tells you what's standing between him and you, then just say, Father, I repent. And I purpose in my heart to remove it. And then begin to remove it. And yeah, it's uncomfortable to remove things that you like. I mean, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to remove things that you like. But it's more uncomfortable to have devils and demons running and ruling in your life than it is to have the glorious power of God. And it's, and it's I'd rather more, be uncomfortable for a short season than a long season. And it's more uncomfortable to think that, that those unrepentant sins you have add to the stripes of Jesus. Yes. The one that laid his life down for you. The one that laid his everything down for you. Yes. He could have stopped that at any time. He was the son of God. He could have commanded a legion of angels to come down and stop that in immediately. Any moment. At that moment. But he purposely laid his life down for you. And any un unrepentant sin you have lays to the price Thank that he had to pay. Thank you, Lord. It adds to the price he had to pay. And God says, that is one of the worst sins you can do. To be in him and fellowship in him and purposely go back out and sin on purpose. It's one of the worst things you can do. It doesn't cost you your salvation right off the bat. But, but it does lead, long enough, lead to it that. can lead to it. Uh, so we're not beating up on you. No. We're trying to lead you we're down just, the right we're path. We're just showing you the right way. Verse 13, no temptation has taken Robbie, but such as she could bear. God is faithful. So, so see, God's not going to allow 
temptation that's more than we can bear or more than we can control or more than we can stop. We can stop it. We have the, we have the spirit we, in us. We have the gift have of, the of, of, of self-control. We can stop it. We just have to choose to. So he's not going to allow us to be tempted more than we can bear, which means more than we can stop ourselves from. But here, And here's where a lot of people get it. Here, here, I mean, here's where a lot of people miss it. A lot of people will look at the pressure in their life and they'll say, well, God won't let the pressure get any harder than, than what, my what my strength can handle. It's not about your strength. It's about his strength. And, he's, and he says, no matter how much pressure the enemy puts on you, no matter how much pressure the devil puts on you, no matter how many doors you open. Listen, last Sunday we just talked about uh, the, the man at Gadea that had 2,000 demons in him. 2,000 plus demons in him. I don't know about anybody that has, I don't, I don't know a single person that has a, enough human strength to, to withstand 2,000 demons operating in their physical flesh. But, but yet, God sustained that man until he got set free. And even then. See, so when it said, when he, when, here when it says, I'm not going to let you go through more than you can bear, it's not because of your might, power, and ability. He said, you're going to be able to bear whatever comes because I'm in you and I'm with you. It's him in you and with you that makes right. you able to bear up Amen. whatever you're facing. You know, last year, Miss Kathy was on the mountain and her body was shutting down. And honestly, if it wasn't for the hand of God, she, if it wasn't for the hand of God, and God's hand was able to be on her because of the people praying for her. Because if we weren't praying, then God wouldn't have been able to do anything for her. Or she, if, you know, if she wasn't praying, we weren't praying, God wouldn't have been able to do anything. But we were praying, she was praying. We didn't even know she was in trouble other than the Spirit said, pray for her. So we prayed for her. But see, God swooped in. And when her body couldn't withstand the pressure of what was going on in it anymore, God swooped in and sustained her. And God spoke to her and said, not today. You're not dying on this mountain today. Your race isn't done. Your race isn't done. And here she is today. She, in fact, we're going to pray for her after communion because she's headed to Israel for a month to go hiking. Praise God. Praise God. So, see, when God said, when so many people say, well, the Lord won't give me more than I can bear, so I guess I've got the strength to handle it. Honey, you ain't got nothing to handle it. What you've got is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's working through you to help you sustain it. And when you get tired of dealing with it, and you finally give up, and you finally hit your face, and you hit your knees, and you say, Jesus, he'll rush in like a flood and get you out of your mess. But so many people don't. So many people wait and wait and wait and say, "I can do it. I can do it. I can do it." Honey, you can't do it. So when pressure comes, don't stay in the miry clay. Say, Jesus, Amen. Jesus, I repent. Jesus, I get right. Jesus, I can't handle this. Jesus, come take the wheel, so to speak. And Jesus is going to say, "Well, I'm going to help you, but you're going to have to deal with some consequences because it was your sin that got you in that mess to begin with." Yep. Now, He'll now, help you, but he ain't going to bail you now, out. This promise is for the saved. Without it's, a cost. It's, this promise is for the saved. It's for the Christian. That's right. The unsaved don't have the promise that they won't have temptation that they can't bear. That's right. That they can't withstand. That's 
right. they don't have that so so the man and in, in the, the the man that, that jesus set free from demons at that before jesus came along he was not saved okay. so those demons were able to move in on him but once you're saved the demons can't possess you they can oppress you they they can and they can obsess you they, but can, they can't they possess you they can they can whisper in your mind they can get they can get on you and cause health problems in your body but they cannot possess you they can live in your body but they can't possess your human spirit glory to god let's keep going all right so no temptation has taken robbie but such as she can bear god is faithful who will not allow robbie to be tempted above what she is able but will with the temptation also make the way of escape that robbie may be able to endure it so he's always going to give us a way to get a way past, even if it seems like we can't handle it even if don't give up hope because just know that that god's going to give you a way out he's going to give you a way to get past it and the way out is jesus and the way out is jesus always the way out is always jesus always but we don't but we don't give in to that we don't give in to that temptation we don't give in to that desire because the power is because because jesus you know jesus is going to give us a way out jesus we don't give in if you give in you've already shortcutted that and he's talking about giving in to sin he's not talking about giving in to jesus right he's talking about giving don't we don't give in to the temptations to sin you know, when when somebody when when there's a temptation to sin on any level, we don't have to give in to it. We can just call on Jesus and say, Jesus, help me out of this mess, and He'll help you. So that so we don't give in to the sin, but we give in to the Lord's help. See, temptations are going to come because the devil's out to get us, and he's got multiple demons out after us. That's right. Each. Absolutely. So it's going to come. Expect it to come, but know that Jesus has you and Jesus has a way out and don't give in to those whispers Don't give in to those desires. Don't give in to the sin Because that separates you from Jesus. Thank you father. All right, so uh, Where was I? But verse 14. Yeah, that's it at the beginning of 14. Therefore my beloved Robbie flee from idolatry I speak as to a wise woman judge what I say the cup of blessing which we bless, isn't it a... Isn't it not? It should say, is it not? It says, isn't it a... It's got a contraction. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> isn't, a, isn't it a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, isn't it a communion of the body of Christ? Seeing that we, who are many, are one bread one body for we all partake of the one bread Glory to God. so what he's saying here so here's what paul is asking paul said this 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 bread that we bless is it not part of the body of christ is the is the cup that we bless is it not part of the body of christ and are we not is. part of the body of christ of he said and we all are part of the body of christ and just like jesus's body was broken We've been broken, just like, you know, and, and, and so he said we're all part of one and the same. So it's right and proper for us to have communion. It's right and proper for us to have this communion. And so you can see that he said, see, back there in Egypt, 
the Lord was already setting up this ordinance of communion, and it was so that we could look at the examples before us and we could say, hmm, we probably ought to not make the mistakes that they made. We probably ought to do life a little differently so that we have a different outcome than they have. But so many people don't look at what the people, the problems of the people, they look at what appears to be an angry God. No. If you're a good parent and your child is getting out there and breaking all your rules and going against you and doing all the stuff you told them not to do, don't you think you'd be a little bit of a miffed parent? Think about it. If you taught your child not to lie and they're lying every time you turn around, aren't you going to be a little bit of a frustrated parent? If you taught your child to live right and do right and to follow your directions so that you keep them safe and they run out in the middle of the road and here comes a truck barreling down at them, don't you think you're going to get a little frustrated? If the truck's barreling down at them, going to kill them, don't, aren't you going to do, if you can't get to the child, aren't you going to do something to get the truck out of the road? I guarantee you, you will. When we were kids, and so I don't, Holy Ghost help me. When we were kids, we had, uh, my dad had kind of a junkyard in the backyard, and we lived on a U-block, and we lived kind of out in the country, just, you know, outside of the city, and there was, and, and uh, one particular feller liked to run, and there were all kinds of kids in the neighborhood. We were always in the street, and this one particular guy liked to run, he race his he liked to practically do drag racing up the road way too fast. He'd kill one of the kids if he wasn't paying attention. And so my dad ran into him, and my dad told him, he said, listen, he said, these kids get out here in the street, and they play, and you're going to injure one of them if you don't slow down. He said, in fact, I'm telling you right now, you need to slow down. Well, sure enough, later that day, he goes roaring by the house again. Now, my dad was a pretty big guy. He was a big guy. That's a little bit of an understatement. He could pull block engines out, you know, you, you know, remember the cars when they had the big engines in them, you know, the big sled cars with the big V8s and the big engines in them? Yeah, he could pull those by himself. He with was a big two fella. hands. Yeah, two hands. Just, he's a big fella. In fact, uh, when he had to have open heart surgery, uh, he said, I don't know. He asked the doctor, he said, I don't think you're going to be able to crack my chest. And the doctor said, oh, we do professional football players and everything all the time. We'll be fine. He said, I don't know. He said, no, we'll be fine. His surgery ran more than an hour over. The doctor came out and said to mom, he said, I owe you and your husband an apology. And we said, why? And he said, that's the hardest chest I've ever had to crack a day in my life. He said, I literally had to stand on the table and give it everything I had to crack his chest to do his heart surgery. He was not a small man. Yes. So he told this man, he said, I'm telling you, you quit racing that car up and down the road because you're going to hurt one of these kids. And uh, I kind of mouthed off in pride to him. And he said, I, he said, this is your last warning. He said, you can either slow down on my road or you can lose your car. It's your choice. And the man kind of muffed off and went about his business. Next time he come racing down the car, my dad was standing out there by the side of the road and saw him come and picked up a transmission and chunked it in front of him. That was the end of his car. How much do you know a father will do what's required to protect his children? 
That's what the Father God did in the Old Testament. He did what was required to yes. protect Amen. his children. He's done what he can do to protect his children in the New Testament. But we have an obligation to do our part. And our part is to not sin. And our part is that when we do sin, that we repent. Our part is to take part in the, in the cup and the bread and take that time to say, Father, is there anything between us? If our ushers are come. So what we're going to do, how we're going to do communion today is we're going to do it a little differently. I'm going to let the ushers come and serve you the bread and the, and the, and the juice. And uh, we'll bless it. And then Miss um, Kathy has a beautiful special that she's going to share. And so while she does her special, we're going to let you do communion on your own way and in your own time. So when you, once we blessed it, once you received it, once you've spent time with the Lord um, and, and repented for anything, that, once you've judged yourself and repented, if you have anything to repent for and got right with the Lord, then you can take of the, take of the bread and take of the cup. Um, on your own, because you can do this at home. You don't. I mean, you don't, we don't have to tell you now. You can eat. Now you can drink. You're. You got a brain in your head. You can figure it out. Um, and <laughs> praise God. Exactly right. And then uh, we'll just do it that way. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to commune with you, w- with and amongst the family today, Father. Father. We ask, as the pastors, we ask that you bless this bread and bless this cup, Father, that, that as uh, we partake with it, Father, that if there's any sins, if there's any unrepented issues in our hearts, Father God, that you bring them to our remembrance, you reveal them to us that, so that we may get right. Father, maybe there's not sin between us, but Father, maybe there's just things that you've been dealing with us about that, that we've just not addressed like we ought to address. But, Father, whatever it is, we just ask that you work upon the hearts of the people. And, Father, as our, uh, here in just a moment, the ushers are going to prepare the people, prepare, serve the people. And as Kathy plays um, a, just a beautiful worship to you, Father God, the people are going to partake on their own timing. And so, Father, I thank you that you'll bless their hands, that you bless the bread, that you bless the juice. And, Father, that our communion is sweet to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Now here's the deal. If you are if you don't if you wish to not participate, you don't have to. In fact, if you are not prepared to, don't. Uh, because the Bible says that if you take it unworthily, if you take it without um, judging yourself and looking at yourself that you're bringing damnation on yourself and we don't want anybody to have that. So so it's just as you as you are ready. You take the you can break the bread and take it and then and when you're ready, take the cup. Remember, the bread was, it represents Jesus' body being broken so that you can be made healed and whole and completely and, and healed and whole. The blood is what is the juice represents the blood, which was poured out so that you could be cleansed of all sin and made righteous. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Michael, you got anything else? No? And y'all don't forget to serve Miss Kathy also. Last, yeah. And then, uh, Miss Kathy, whenever you're ready, honey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
it's not much Got nothing else fit for a kiss Except for a heart singing hallelujah give you our worship father father we give you a hallelujah father we give you our praise oh randande sikhi sundahasto mama sikhi father there's not words in our language that can give you the honor and the reverence and the praise that you're due lord father we can use the words like awe and awesome and wonder and wondrous and beautiful and outstanding and miraculous but father they just don't give you the glory. They just don't give you the honor. Father, we're thankful for the spirit that helps us to praise you and give you honor as you are due. Oh, Father, we glorify you. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son. We thank you, Jesus, for the willingness to go to the cross. We thank you for the willingness to go into the grave. We thank you for the willingness to have your body broken on our behalf and your blood swelled out. Father, we're so thankful that you sent the Holy Ghost into the pit to quicken his body. And thereby, and, and by faith, you've quickened ours. And Father, we are so thankful that we get to walk in that divine victory by faith. And we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said... Amen. amen and amen. Well, glory to God. It's always good to take the time to love and to worship on the Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Kathy, for that wonderful yes. uh, special, that was just good. a blessing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If I can find my page here, we'll be in good shape. I'm getting towards the end of my book. It's all right. Jackie's already blessed me with a new one when this one runs out. Glory to God. You got a new notebook? Yep. I got, I got a little while yet. I got I'm, so I'm, many I, notebooks, I get I lose track of which that's ones why, I That's got. why I keep them in my Bible bag. I got a little while to go yet. Well, today we're going to talk about are you blocking the power of God? Are you blocking the power of God? And uh, a lot of times... We, we have things in our life and we do things in our life that blocks the power of God, and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. Um, and I'll just tell you right on the front side um, that, that more than likely uh, you're going to get corrected. I'll tell you on the front side. But how much you know Proverbs 3.12? Proverbs 3.12, there should be one, uh, one verse that we commit to memory. Uh, because it'll help us a lot. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. He correcteth. If you're not being corrected by the Lord, you should be asking, Lord, do you love me? Honestly. 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 Uh, we served under a pastor for many years that, for various reasons, um, he had a hard time correcting his flock. And I'm telling you what, it affected my love walk with the Lord. 
Because if I wasn't, because, you know, because this verse is real to me. If the Lord is not correcting me, then, then I'm not, then, then I feel, then there's a disconnect between me and his love. So, so here it says, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. How much do you know? If you're a good father, you're correcting your children. You're teaching them to be mannerly. You're teaching them to how to how to perform in life and how to get good results. You know, and you're teaching them simple things like you know you're teaching your sons to hold the doors for the ladies. You're teaching your daughters to respect the men for doing that to you because they're showing honor to you as a weaker vessel. They're not saying that you're that you're weak and insufficient. You're a lesser person. They're just they're just honoring. God by honoring you, and we teach our children these things. You know, this is teaching. Correct. A lot of times, uh, what correcting does is 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 it teaches. So so we could say this: if the Lord's not teaching us, then He's not loving us, and if He's not correcting us, He's not loving us. So when the Lord corrects an issue in your life, all He's doing, He's not getting on you and going, "You sorry, no good, low down, stupid child." That's not what God is saying. God is saying, listen, I love you. I care about you. I want the best for you. I want good results for you. So let me show you how to do this better. Let me show you how to get good results. And how much do you know if, um, if you've uh, got something blocking the power of God, you need to be taught, right? Amen. How to... Un how to, how to how to get that blockade out of there. And a lot of times, you know, I just, I don't know why I just saw a beaver. You know, a lot of times you'll have this creek and it'll, it'll puddle, it, it'll, it'll kind of go make, out of its banks. They make a dam. Uh, and you're going, man, when did that creek become a lake? And, you know, and, and you're like, something's off here. Well, if you're on this side and there's a blockade at the other end, you might not be able to see it. And therefore, that lake just, that what should be a creek just gets bigger and bigger a lake. But then you get to the other side and you realize, oh, there's a beaver down here, you know. Um, you know, and if you're on the front side of that, then you're like, hey, I got lakefront property. But if you're on the back side of the, where the beavers have built their dam, and, and that's your water source, you're going, hey, where did the water go? Hey, where did my water go? Hey, I need that water to drink. I need that water to supply my garden. I need that water to supply my animals. Whatever. How much you know? You got to go. Then you got to go up the dry stream and figure out what's causing the water to not flow. Well, it's uh, bad. It's bad when your lakefront property is in the middle of your garden. <laughs> that's true. You know. So, so you got to get the beavers out of your life, so to speak. Um, and one of the biggest beavers that people have in their life is the beaver of pride. The beaver of pride. And these little beavers of pride, they come in all shapes and sizes and colors. They do. A lot of times people are in pride and they don't even know that they're in pride. They don't even know they're in pride. Because a lot of times um, we think of pride in connection to somebody that is got it going on. We think of we we don't we think of pride as being an issue for somebody that's got a lot of money and got a lot of skill and got a lot of talent, you know, they, they get built up in pride. And they got a lot of fame. Right, they got a lot of fame. And, and, and of course, they would have pride on that end. 
But do you know that a lot of people that deal with insecurities have a tremendous amount of pride? Because they use pride as a defense mechanism. They use pride as a wall to protect their heart. Uh, and so you can get into pride and not even realize you're in it. So let's look at some scriptures. And honestly, the, the, the word of the Lord can really pretty much so explain to you the danger of pride all by itself. Let's start. Um, we're going to start in the Old Testament. We'll end in the New Testament. Let's start in Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. <clears throat> See if I can get myself back here and into Leviticus. Amen. Well, you had time. You had my notes, <laughs> cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I did. Do cheaters really eat pumpkins? I don't know. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. That's what I know. Uh, Leviticus chapter 26. Let's look right here at verse 18 and 19. All right. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me. Now here, so remember in Leviticus is God's giving the law. And giving the law and giving the law and giving the law. So what are they supposed to be hearkening to? The law. And, it, and if they won't yet listen to the law, which hearken means listen and remember, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now see, that right there messes people up because he said, I will punish. So that makes you think, that makes people think that that's God, that God's a... Uh, uh, um, schizophrenic in one minute he's blessing you in one minute he's cursing you no um you have to understand how translations work to go from one language to another language not every language has the same words and they don't use prepositions the same way in fact the hebrew language doesn't even technically have prepositions like will or uh, allow or things like that. It all has to do with how they write the word and say the word and what have you. And so it can be, uh, so it doesn't translate exactly the same. So this will, where it says, um, he said, for I will punish you, that will means that I will allow oh. it. It's, it's in the causative or the permissive right. uh, form, not the... Um, causative form. So it really, if we were, if we could directly translate it correctly, um, we would read it, then I will allow you to be, I will allow punishment uh, to come on you. I will allow. Seven um, times more. Seven times more is really the way that it should. But it, in order for us to translate it that way, we have to break the rules of translation. And so that's why it's not that way. So he said, so here's what he said. He said, by, by breaking my rules, the, the rules that I've set up are there to protect you. And if you break what I've told you to do, then this guy over here, your enemy, that, de that, that, that little mean beaver, demons, not that beavers are demons, but you understand what I'm saying. Satan has the entitlement to bring seven times the destruction on you. Because I've told you what to do. Um, so, you know, that's something we don't want. All right, verse 19. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. Now, see, God said, I will allow. <laughs> he said, I'm going to break. He said, listen, he said, when this destruction comes, because 
See, here's the deal. If you're not going to follow God, it's because of pride. Let me just be honest. If you refuse to follow God, somebody doesn't like that already, I can tell. If you refuse to follow God, it's because of pride. It's because you are arrogant enough to think that you are smarter than God. It's because you are arrogant enough to think that you know better than the creator of everything. That's what it means. Pride is arrogance. Pride is elevating yourself over someone else. And God is a person. So when you elevate yourself and your wisdom and your ideas and your thoughts and your behaviors and your feelings over God, you're in pride. And God said, I'm going to break that pride off of you. Or I will allow that pride to be broken off of you. See, we think that, that we think that of pride as, 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 as thinking we're better than others like each other. You know, oh, right. right? So, but we, we think of it as, as thinking that you're better, like I say, I, I think I'm better than Derek. For whatever reason. Okay, just an example. But but how much more pride do you have to be to think that you're better than God? That's right. That you know better than God. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, we we think we think of the pride between each other as the big thing, but it's not. The big thing is the pride between you and God. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, pride is pride is literally um, a raising up. It's where you raise yourself up above another person or another situation. It's a raising up. So when God says, look, I want the best for you. I want to bless you. I want to protect you. I want to take care of you. In order to have all of the goodness that I have for you, I need you to do life this way, period. And then you say, well, I hear you talking, God, but that just doesn't suit me. I tell you what, I'm going to do life this way, and then at the end of my life, then you can have me. Um, hello? <laughs> uh, that, no. I'm the creator of the, God says, I'm the creator of the universe. You're, you know, you're my, in the Old Testament, the children of God were God's servants. In the New Testament, we're God's children. So in the Old Testament, when he, he, he basically the servants were the servants of God were were elevating themselves over the master, saying, "We know better than you. You better watch that. That's pride. That's pride." Go to uh, Psalms chapter ten. Psalms chapter ten, and let's read verse two. All right. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Notice it says, the wicked in their pride doeth persecute the poor. When people start belittling poor people, when people are making fun of poor people, when, when, when people of higher power are making... Uh, mockery of people that they look to be lower than them, that's pride. That's pride. That's pride. You know, in this, and this is a, you see this, you see this problem really big in the schools. Really big in the schools. 
you know, this, this group of students is bullying this group of students. And what is the problem? They're full of pride. And look at what it says. It says, and let them be taken. It's directly connected. He said, let them be taken by the devices that they have imagined. In other words, they've imagined evil things happening to those poor people. And God said, let what you've imagined come upon you. Let what you've imagined happening to those that you deem as less than you, let it come upon you. How much do you know? You know, if, if you've ever listened to any interviews of people that had a lot of fame and fortune, um, you know, if you've listened to some interviews of them, they'll tell you, a lot of them will tell you, you know, I thought if I got famous, I thought if I made all this money that all of my problems would go away, but I'm actually worse off now than I ever was before I became famous and got money. Why? Because they got built up in pride, and they got to thinking, if I could just get to here, then I could do this, this, and this, and make all my problems go away. But what they did is they got built up, and then when they got built up, a whole bunch of similar problems came upon them, and the only difference is now they got a bunch of money. They still got problems. They still got issues. Why? Because of the Word of God's working against them. That's why. Let's look at verse 4. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire. Oh, that's three. Anyway. And bless. Well, that word boasteth is also pride. And blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. So let's look at that verse. He said, the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire. So, so a wicked person is prideful. Where is that pride coming from? His heart. It's coming out of the heart. He said, and he said, he said, it's coming out of the heart. And then he said, um, verse three, the rest of that verse says, and blesses the, cur- the, co- the covetousness, whom the Lord abhorreth. Listen, the Lord hates pride. The Lord hates covetousness. He, he, he just hates it. You know, it's a, it's a thing of pride to go, well, it must be nice for you to have such and such and such and such. What is that? That's your pride of your heart saying, well, what makes you special? What makes you better than me? I said, you don't have to be, you know, high and big and fame to have a pride problem. You can have a low self-image. You can have a low image of life. You can have, you can, you can think of yourself as a nobody and a nothing and have just as much pride, if not more, than somebody that's got all the fame and fortune. It just looks a little different. Now let's read verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Look at that. A prideful person will not think of God. He'll not seek him. A prideful person will say, I can do it. A prideful person will say, I got this. A prideful person, listen... It's pride when you don't think when you don't think to go to the Lord for help. When you when you exhaust all of your efforts before you ever consider God, you have a pride problem. Ouch, hallelujah. Help yourself. Ouch, hallelujah. Help yourself. I know this is stepping on toes. I get it. I understand it. I don't like to preach these sermons. 
But here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to unblock the river of your blessings. We're trying to unblock the river of your blessings. So if we can pinpoint pride issues, and then we can begin to deal with those pride issues, and we can begin to get the pride out of our life, then we can begin to get the blessing to flow. Because God said, if you will hearken unto me and do what I tell you to do in Deuteronomy 28, he said, then I will command the blessing. So many people are are blockading the blessing because of pride and because of a willfulness to not be a doer of the word. And then at the same time, they're begging, oh, Lord, bless me, oh, Lord, bless me. And the Lord's down there going, just get obedient. Just get the pride out of the way. Just get the dam, the, the beaver dam, I'm not cussing. Get the beaver dam uh, issue of pride out of the way. And, and then the blessings will automatically flow. You won't even have to ask me for them. So, I'll probably, <laughs> you know, uh, let's finish this verse off. Did we finish that verse? Oh, we did. We did. So now let's go to Psalms 31. Psalms 31. I was going to say we finished that. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, amen. Hallelujah. Made it. Let me know when you make it. It's quiet in this Pentecostal house today. Come on. Listen. How, how are you going to get this in your heart? You've got to respond to it. You've got to respond to it. I know it's uncomfortable to respond. I know it's uncomfortable to say, ouch, hallelujah. I know it's uncomfortable to say, amen, that's me. You're talking to me, Pastor. But if you'll do that, listen, if you'll do that, then it'll help get it down in your heart. It'll help get it down in your spirit. You'll be engaging with God. You'll be, what you're saying is, God, I'm listening. God, I'm receiving the correction. God, I'm getting it. And, and then, and that settles down in your heart. It settles down in your spirit. And then your spirit has the power that it needs to overcome the issue of the flesh. Because this pride issue is a flesh issue. It's a flesh issue. That's what it is. So, you know, don't, don't get, don't get, you know, don't shout me down now that I'm preaching good. Come on. <laughs> Psalms 31, verse 20. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Glory to God. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Now, this is a good, this is a good word from the Lord about pride. He said, he said, uh, he, he, he said, Lord, thou shalt hide me. In the secret of thy presence from prideful men. From prideful men. From people that think, that think, that look, that think down on me. For people that, can, that, can, that conspire to do evil to me. People that, that want to come against me. People that have pride issues toward me. From those Lord, that think I'm weak. Right, from those that think I'm weak. Lord, you're going to protect me and defend me. That's a good word from the Lord. Because I'm not, I'm not weak in the Lord. Right. Um, he said, and, but, and, and then look, he's directly connected. He said, thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. In other words, if you'll get right with the Lord, if you'll stay right with the Lord, if you'll get this pride issue out of your life, other people that are built up with pride, the Lord said, I'll protect you even from them talking bad about you. In fact, Jackie told me about a time, a thing just recently. She, she had some friend situation. And uh, the, 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 as I understand it, the wife was 
you know, uh, watches this online and some things like that, and the husband thinks we're a cult. That's fine. And uh, he was saying something in his church about us. And uh, another person in the church that knows us personally, that loves our preaching, and we know them, turned around to him and said, you better watch who you're talking about. They know God. So, you know, uh, how much do you know? That's this verse in action. Did I have it right for the most part? She confirmed I had it right for the most part. You know, so you know, God's protecting you even when you don't even have a clue you're being protected. Glory to God. So let's go to uh, ver- ch- verse chapter 36, verse 11. Same book. This is another protection one, protection from pride. Psalm 36, verse 11. It says, let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. Now, this is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they needed God to, they, they needed God to keep the devil off of them. We're under the New Testament. So we have power and authority to keep the devils and demons off of us. So here, when it says, let the foot, that, means, that does mean foot or leg, but it also means idols. Idols. Now, this is going to mess you up. It, that word foot also means the seraphim, which is a type of an angel, and the cherubims, which is a type of an angel. The fallen angels, I believe, fallen angels fall under the category of demons. So it says, let not the foot of idols and demons uh, or, or a spirit of pride come against me now we have authority so we have an obligation to keep that spirit of pride off of ourselves so when the devil whispers you know you're better than that person you better say shut up Satan get away from me don't let that foot get near you when they when they say can't believe their attitude can't deal with them talking to you like that you ought to just give them a piece of your mind shut up spirit get away from me Shut up, spirit. Shut up, spirit. Don't let that get near you. This is a warning. He said, don't let that get near you. He said, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. In other words, we have, we have an obligation. When we see the activity of devils and demons trying to get a foothold, trying to get a handle in our life, we need to say, Mm-mm, not today, Satan. Not today. Lord, and now, now, does that mean that God doesn't have a part? No, because, because see, when, when you speak the name of Jesus, all of heaven comes. So when you say not to Satan, get away from me, all of heaven says, get off of him now. Now, immediately. Immediately they come off. So this is a promise of protection, but you've got a part to play in that you have to exercise your authority. You cannot play with devils and demons and idols. You can't pl- Listen. Oh, Lord you cannot be involved in horoscopes and astrology and rock crystals and mystic things and even yoga. You can't be doing all of that nonsense and then be going, Jesus, keep the devil off of me. You're fellowshipping with the devil. You're into idolatry. You, you can't be watching. You can't be watching R-rated stuff. You can't be watching uh, Walking Dead and King and, and 
Zombies and what's that other show? I don't know. You know, the one that you despise so much, which you should despise. There you go. Oh, that one, Can't yes. be watching that filth. Can't be watching that filth. I was and thinking <coughs> zombies, not, not dragons. Right? Whatever. You can't be watching that filth and then be going, oh, but Jesus is protecting me from the evils of devils. Listen. October's the month. You can't go to the horror movies and say, well, Jesus, give me sweet sleep because you've been watching stuff that's giving you, because you're bringing the devils and demons into your nightmares. Don't be doing, don't be bringing that stuff in. Don't be bringing that stuff in. Listen, you have an obligation. Listen, this is pride. Pride says, I can handle it. Pride says, I can handle uh I can handle be I can handle hanging out and being friends with the homosexuals. No, you can't. And listen, I'm not being mean to them. If, they, if you got an issue with homosexuality and you want to be set free, come in the house. We'll get you set free. Come in the house, sit down, hear the word, get set free. We'll get you set free. I don't I don't have a problem with that in the world because I know where that issue comes from. You weren't born with the issue necessarily, although I do believe that uh, spirits of homosexuality can be attached to a baby at birth uh, because of generational issues. I do believe that, but you are not physically born in opposite sex. God is the creator of male and female, and he doesn't make a mistake, and he's not confused. So I'm not picking on the homosexual or the bisexual or the transsexual or any other gender-confused person. If you have that problem, come in here. We'll help you with it if you want to be helped. But if you, the Christian, thinks you can hang around that and you've got, the, you've got the strength to not let that get on you and affect you, you're full of pride. Do you hear me? If you think you can get around that and hang around that and be next to that, you're full of pride if you think it's not going to get on you and affect you. If you think that you can hang around with the sexaholics, Listen, everybody's making out, everybody's hooking up, everybody's doing this for that person and that person, that person, uh, but they're all good. They're not actually having sex because they're not actually having intercourse, and you think you're going to stand and stay pure? You're wrong. You're wrong. That's pride thinking that you can withstand that because there's spirits behind it. If you think you can, get, if you think you can hang out with the drinkers and not drink, you're wrong. If you think you can hang around the smokers and not smoke, you're wrong. Now, does that mean that we don't have anything to do with them at all? No, they need the light of the world. But, they, but you, need to be, you need to be such a person that they have a desire to hang around you. And they have a desire to come up to your standard. And you set your guard up. You let them get around your creek. You don't get around their creek. It's that simple. I've got, I got a whole bunch of people in my life I'm praying for. And I love them, and the, but they've got issues in their life. And I'm like, when you're ready to get clean, you can know where to find me. That's just what I tell them. When you're ready to let go of that addiction, you know where to find me. I can help you. But I'm not going to go hang out in their addiction with them. You think you can hang around the pothead, the dope head, and the, and, and the slippery head, and, not, and those things not affect you? You're wrong. You're wrong. It's going to affect you. See, that's pride. Pride says, I can handle it, Jesus. Even Jesus didn't hang around it. They, they came to him. He didn't go to them. See, larger things than you or, you or I have fallen to pride. 
Think about it. Lucifer was an angel of light oh, yeah. and of music. And he, what caused him to fall from grace? Pride. Pride. He he pride. got so much into pride that because his music and his lights and could, his abilities and his abilities could could yeah. influence people or creatures or even spirits to do the things that he wanted them to do. Yep. He even influenced angels. Yep. To do the things that he wanted to do. Yeah. He got so much into pride about that that he thought God couldn't do it without him. That, that in fact he could probably do it better than God. Because he tried to elevate his his that pride his got him kicked out Jesus of heaven. He found out real quick he wasn't as big as he thought. He was getting too big for his britches. God went boop, and Satan was gone. <laughs> God says the Bible says that God removed him with his finger. This finger. Just one finger. I look at it. I, I'm pretty sure that I saw it in the spirit one time. Jesus, the, the, the Lord Jesus, pinky flicked Satan, and he fell to the earth like lightning. That's how much power Jesus has. This is the highest angel in heaven. And Jesus went, Bink! and he went, Bink! and he's been cursed ever since. But think about it. Without, but it was pride that without, caused the pinky flick. Without Christ in us. Satan is a much more powerful being than we are. With Christ, he's not. That's but right. without Christ, he's, oh, he's without so Christ, Christ, he's more powerful than we are. Yep. And he, yet he was brought down by pride. Yep. Glory to God. Let's go to um, Psalms 59. Psalms 59. Well, he was talking about that. I'll give you somebody that was a, a person. Our young people won't get it. Our old, pe our older people will. I'll tell you, a person that was brought down by pride was Elvis Presley. He was brought down, brought down by pride. He had an ability to sing, and to and it was a God-given ability. And he he started with worshiping God, and he started under the anointed power of the Holy Ghost. He started in that, but his pride, he figured out, the devil said, ooh, you can sing. And then the devil said, ooh, look at you, you can dance and you can gyrate and that, ooh, you can swoo the women. Guess what? How did he end up dying? Drugs took him out. Drugs? Honestly, what took him out was the, was the, time, was, was the words of his mouth. Because he said, because he said, he repeatedly said, I'm going to die young just like my mama did. He said, I'm going to die, he repeatedly, he said, I'm going to die young just like my mama did. But see, that's because the devil whispered into his mind, you're going to die just like your mama did. And he became obsessed with those thoughts. Yeah, but pride and then, set him off on that path. Right, right. But pride set him off on it. And pride got him famous. And then pride put so much pressure on him that when he, even when he wanted to come back to God, he couldn't because there was so much pressure on him, so much pressure. See, pride will put you in a place where you'll come under pressure, pressure to perform, pressure to act a certain way, pressure to behave a certain way. You'll think it's all, yeah, you'll think it's all about you. Pressure to not let anybody see you falter. Pressure to not let anybody see you have a weak day or a rough day. Pressure to make, to, Christians fall into this. 
Christians get into, I'm a Christian, I can't have any issues, I can't have any problems, everything in my life is wonderful, then behind closed doors, you've got depression, you've got anxiety, you've got worry, you've got fear, you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you've got family drama, you've you've got addiction in your life, you've got all these issues, but man, you come out in front of people and say, I'm a Christian, I have it all together. That's pride. That's why God. That's why God said uh, one of the mandates of disciples' house is you will not be a church that hides. That's one of the mandates. And I said, God, what does that mean? He said you'll live transparent in front of the people, and your people will be transparent too. That's taking some adjustments for some people. That takes some adjustment. That's hard because we've been trained in the church to just, just we got it together. No, baby, we got problems. We got issues. We're not perfect. But we're striving to be like Jesus. We're striving to be sin free. We're striving to be walking in the blessing. We're striving to walk in faith. We're striving to look and act and sound just like Jesus did. And we miss sometimes. And so when we miss, we own it. I missed it. I missed it, Jesus. And I'm telling you what, if you don't have the ability to say, I missed it, that's pride. That's pride. That's pride. Listen, I've told you the testimony. Uh, My husband called me out, and he said, you will never admit that you're wrong. That was a long time ago. He was right. I had a problem with it. And, I mean, he accused me of it sternly, and I went to the Lord and said, Lord, is it true? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, Lord, how do I fix it? Now, sometimes the Lord will tell you to do something that's hard. He said, I said, Lord, how do, because my heart was true. My heart, my heart to God is real. And I said, Lord, how do I fix it? He said, every time you apologize, whether you're wrong or not. I can't even admit when I'm wrong, and you want me to admit that I'm wrong when I'm right? What is the matter with you, Jesus? I can't even do it when I'm wrong, and now you want me to admit that I'm wrong even when I'm right. How much do you know? What was he doing? He was breaking that pride. And I did it. And I did it, 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 and I did it to the point that I got to the point that I never knew if I was right or not. Because it became such a habit. And even mom looked at me, she said, you didn't do anything wrong. Why are you apologizing? I don't know. I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm losing my mind. I've apologized so much. I don't know when I'm right and when I'm wrong anymore. He said, he said, you can start being, oh, if you're, he said, you can start standing up for yourself again. He said, but only when you're right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But even still, all these years later, I have to be careful. Because if I'm not careful, I'll get right back into that habit of saying I'm right when I'm wrong. So I've got to be careful. So one thing that I do is I will, a lot of times I'll still apologize even if I'm right. And I'll say, you know what, I was, or, you know, and I'll say, you're, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I'll think, and what that does is that causes me to stop and go, was I wrong? Because I might be right in what I'm saying, but I might be wrong in how I'm saying it. I might be right, my point might be right, but the way I'm handling the situation might be wrong. So, see, and so I have to deal with that. But listen to, listen to me. When you, ha- when you can't admit that you're wrong, admitting that you're wrong is hard. 
that's a hard thing to break, but it breaks it. See, and, and Robbie, when she was young, she was picked on a, a bit for being wrong and being stupid and stuff. And so she got, see, this isn't, I didn't have, this, she I got, young, into, she got into this pride because she got to a place where she said, I'm always going to be right. I, I'm going to make myself be right. And I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to be right all the time. And then over, it was a defense mechanism. That's but right. over time, it overtook her. That's right. That's right. So I went from having no voice to, uh, by God, I'm going to have a voice. So I went from having no voice to, I'm going does. to make myself have a voice. Excuse me? <laughs> you still do have a voice. <laughs> but, but I, well, now I have a right and proper voice. I know. I'm, now I have a right and proper voice. I was not picking on you there. But when I was little, I had no voice. And I got tired of, listen, I got tired of being ran over. I got tired of being taken advantage of. I got tired of not being heard. So I went from this ditch to this ditch. Which is how most people get in trouble. Which is how most people get in trouble. And I said, I'm right. I know I'm right, and I'm going to prove that I'm right even if I'm wrong. And I can tell you of a few times that I knew, I knew, I knew that I knew that I was wrong, but I wasn't going to admit it, and I was going to convince you that I was right, even though I was wrong. And she had me going. She had me going in so many circles because she was smart enough that she was going to convince me she was right, even though I thought I was right. And I finally just said, "I'm just never right." So I'm over here in this ditch. Now, now the problem with that behavior is not only did I put myself in a ditch. But now I put him in the ditch because now he's torn up and thinking low of himself and thinking that he's never right and that he's stupid. See how your pride can affect somebody else? I mean, I've always thought I was pretty smart, but she runs circles around me when it comes to arguing. <laughs> we don't argue like that anymore. Right. Praise the Lord. Thank you. The Lord helped us through it. But listen, did you catch that? I was so far in this ditch that I drove him into the ditch of insecurity and thinking that he was never right about anything. Pride, pride can cause damages to other people. Your personal pride can damage your loved ones. So in, in, in Psalms 59, David's um, praying to the Lord for him to deliver him from his enemies. And, and he's, he's so, so this is a vindication. This whole psalm is vindication. He's praying to God to vindicate him. But in verse 12, it says, For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. In verse 13, it goes on to say, Consume them in wrath, consume them, that they may not be, and let them know that God ruleth in Jacob unto the ends of the earth. But look back at verse 12. He said, he said this, he said, For the sin of their mouth, your mouth will make you sin. Your mouth can make you sin. The sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them be taken by their pride. The words that you speak out of your mouth are good indicators as if you're in pride or not. And here's how you'll know if it's pride or not. Are you cursing and lying? Are you cursing and lying? A lot of times... When you're cursing and you're lying, it's because you're pridefully you're defending yourself. You're operating out of pride, and therefore you're saying and doing anything that you can to overtake and exhort yourself over another person. You're not taking them into consideration. 
redheaded person right here, redheaded person, and he said, Robbie could argue into the ground. Not only could I argue into the ground, but I could do it with such anger that it helped me to control the situation. Yeah, but he didn't curse a whole lot. No, but I did it with anger. Anger and lying. I told you just a minute ago, I can think of a few occasions where I knew for a fact that I was wrong, but I was going to convince you and myself that I was right. I was lying. Cursing can mean, it doesn't mean, it doesn't always mean profanities. Cursing means talking derogatory, tearing down, putting a, pronouncing a curse upon another person, tearing them down. Uh, that I did do. Notice it, but he said, he said, let them be taken by the words of their mouth. Listen, pride will fly out of your mouth and you won't even, and, and a lot of times you don't even realize it. Jesus himself said that it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, meaning what, what he eats, because that's what he was talking about is what he eats, what Don't get ahead eat. of my verses. That's okay. Don't get ahead of my verses. He says it's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. Oh, is it seriously that time? Yes, oh it my is. Gosh, we're running. We're not going to get finished. We're out of time. Here. Let's do <laughs> one more. We can get done with the Psalms one. Okay, Psalm 73. <laughs> Psalm 73. I want to keep going. I know, but we can't, we, we, we can't keep everybody here I all know, day. I know, I know. It's just one verse. Okay, Psalm 73. Psalm, 70, Psalm 73. <laughs> okay, Psalm 73 in verse 6. It says, Therefore, pride compasses, compasses, Yes. It, it surrounds them that uh, them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Pride will pride will wrap you up like you're wrapped with a chain, and can even cause you to be violent. A lot of people that are violent or have violent issues have an issue with pride. When you're dealing with violence, you're dealing with pride. If you're dealing with a violent temper, if you're dealing with violent behaviors, if you're dealing with, with violent communication, if you're dealing with a puffy, puffy, violent attitude, it, what, what you're experiencing is that person is wrapped in chains. How, what is that? That's bondage. Pride is a form of bondage. And, pride, the, and all bondages can be broken in the power of Jesus. All bondages can be broken in the power of Jesus. So we've got to end this thing on a good note. <laughs> we got, we're out of time. We've got to end on a good note. So, so part of the, again, remember I said we're trying to recognize what is blocking the blessings from flowing in in our life. So we are pinpointing pride. And if we, can pin, if we pinpoint pride in our own life, you know, um, I can tell you, Michael, I've been married for a long time, 33 years in November. We've been married a long time, and we still fuss and we still feud. We do. It, not nearly like what we used to. No. Used to be knocked down, drag out. Once upon a time, I threw an ashtray at his head and tried to kill him. Knocked down, drag out. And I literally tried to kill him. Thankfully, she missed him. Thankfully, I'm a horrible it was a marble ashtray about this big. It was crystal, <laughs> but it was okay. But in either case, now it's just a fuss and a few. But I tell you what the Lord will tell me. He'll say, calm down. In the middle of a fit, he'll say, you need to calm down. He'll say, 
I'll hear in my spirit, pride. And what, what am I getting in pride about? I'm getting in pride because he's not listening to me. How dare him? How dare him put me down? I'm more important than that, that he won't listen to me. I'm being honest. That's pride. I give my opinion and he blows me off. <sighs> Whatever. Just why did you even ask? What is that? That's my pride blowing up because I'm offended because I'm not as special in his sight in the moment as I want to be. It's pride. So how do you get past it? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have responded that way. I shouldn't have behaved that way. Come back. Let me let me let me try to do what you've requested me to do. Let me let me handle this. Let me let me try to do better. You know, and guess what? That that robs us of getting getting puffed up in pride robs our day of time. Because then we've got to take the time to fix the problem. It robs our relationship because now we've spit venom at each other and now that venom has caused hurts and pains and now we've got to work through the injury of the venom. So, so it's not just about getting pride out of my life, but it's breaking. It, but see, this is a chain. It, bind, it, bonds, it bounds you up. So how do we get rid of it? We work with the Holy Spirit. Right. We yep. call on Jesus. When, that, when you feel that pride rise up, when you feel that contention, another word for pride is contention. When you feel contention, we didn't even get to that verse. We'll hopefully get to it next week. But there's a verse that says where there's contention, there's pride. Where there's contention, there's pride. So if, there's, if the atmosphere is contentious, somebody, at least one person, probably most people, probably at least two, but where there's contention, there's pride. Which means that, that who's ever dealing in pride needs to settle themselves, calm themselves, and say, you know what, they're, they're not necessarily tearing me down, and, it's, and I'm not necessarily more important than they are. And not only that, like, if I'm, de- if I'm the one that's being contentious, if I'm the one having the pride challenge, and it's Michael and I, then honestly, uh, Michael needs me to give the, give, I, I need him to give me the space to get myself under control. So I need him to not feed the contention. And he needs me to not be contentious with him when he's contentious. You know, um, we, in other words, we have to lay, both of us have to lay down our pride. Because we both have to back off and say, okay, I'm going to put you first. Really breaking pride is putting the other person first. What it, that's really what it requires. So we'll get more into this next week, I'm sure, unless the Holy Ghost goes a different direction. I don't think he will because pride was very heavy on my heart. Um, and we've got a lot of verses to go. And I'd say we, probably all, each one of us have a little bit of pride in our lives. And I, I said we were going to pray for Kathy right after communion, and yes. I forgot. Kathy, come on. Oh. Well, we can pray for her yeah, right after gonna, the service. Is well, no, we're going to lay hands on her as, as, <laughs> no, as, as I know, a church. I know, I know, I know. Come on. Uh, anointing, 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 anointing. Oh, anointing oil. Yeah. You got a certain pair of hiking shoes you're using this week or this month? Good. I'll come see you this house. The Lord just said, anoint your shoes. I don't know why, but we're going to anoint your shoes. The Lord said, anoint your shoes. I said, well, I don't know that those are the ones she's going to wear, so we'll have to come anoint your shoes this week. (laughs) 
Ah, Father, 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 Miss Kathy, Father, we're so thankful for your humble servant. Father, we're so thankful that you that you spoke to her and and preserved her on the mountain last year. Father, we know that her that her run is not done. Her race is not done. She's got much more to do and much more to go. And Father, as this next Saturday, she's getting on a plane and she's flying to to Israel, the homeland of your people. And so, Father, we just ask that you have your hand upon her. Father, that you just anoint her trip, that you make her trip easy, that you make her trip light. Father, we anoint her hands, we anoint her head. Father, we anoint her, Father God. And that she will receive much from going and seeking you. Father, we thank you for traveling mercies all upon her, Father God. Father, we thank you that there's no issues with the flights, that everything goes smoothly and easily. Father, that her body responds to the flight. It doesn't have any issues with the long flight, that her hike is well, that the weather is well, that there's no issues with her hiking partner, Father God, that everything goes smoothly between them. Father, we send the angels, we charge the angels about out of, before her to prepare the way and prepare the path that she may have a wonderful trip and a... And, and a wonderful time. Father, we know that these trips are her time with you. And so, Father, we thank you for anointing that. And we will go and we will anoint her shoes this week as you have told us to do. And, Father, we thank you that your hand is upon her. We thank you for her service. We thank you that she comes home safe and sound. And, Father, we thank you that that next step that you have for her is also being prepared, even as we speak, Father God. And, Father, we thank you that it is time and it is the right time and the right season for that to come as well. And we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And, thank and you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you can, thank you, Lord. send a bunch of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. So, Father, we do praise you. Father, we do thank you. Uh, you can come and serve the people for tithes and offerings. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you. We want to Lord, bless the tithe and the offering. Yes. Lord, we, we come before you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for leading and guiding us and for, and for helping us to, to step away from our issues, to step away from our sins, to step, step away from the things that separate us from you, Lord. We ask that you, you lead and guide us, and you help us to think and meditate on this throughout the week and, and, and to understand how pride operates in our lives and so that we can get rid of it. Lord, help us to get rid of it and to find it and root it out from wherever it is in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you for leading and guiding us. Lord, we just want to see your work done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we give unto your kingdom and because we love you, Lord. And we want to, like I said, we want to see your work be done. So we give with a generous heart, we give with a grateful heart, we give with a loving heart, we give because we love you, because you loved us first, even when we weren't worthy. Lord, we just love you, and we give unto your kingdom, and we ask that you bless it so that it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or think to the doing of your word. And Lord, we ask that you bless us so that we can become a bigger blessing to your kingdom, to your people, and to, and to the works that you have called us to, to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. You may serve the people. Glory.